Hello, welcome to Defense Against the Dark Arts. I'm Paul Mill and this is episode 31. It is about the introduction to uh, Marx, the, the, where's the book, the Communist Manifesto um, by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. So I'm going to, st it's, the intro is, is hilarious, so I figured I needed to do a, a short uh, podcast on the propaganda that is used in the introduction to uh, the Communist Manifesto. So let's start with a little bit of uh, some benevolent propaganda. The Communist Manifesto is the most deadly political pamphlet ever written. Its words have inspired the suffering and death to millions of innocent people. It is a mental ideological cancer that uses the Trojan horse of utopia, equity, and centralized power without taking into consideration human nature. So uh, it's, it's, it's persuasive to the non-critical thinker. And, and that's its power, as most people are non-critical thinkers. Even those of, those of us, those of you, uh, who are critical thinkers, we aren't critical thinkers at all times. Our guard gets let down. And so it's, uh, this, this book is it's destructive and, and pain under the guise of social justice. The values of the, the lazy and the incompetent are appealed to. Those who are non-self-starters, the jealous, the losers who resent their friend's success, those type of people. This is, this is, it's not intended for, you know, those people who are honestly happy for others, you know, when they succeed, you know, this is for those small, creepy people who sabotage their friend's chances of success, like lobsters in a bucket. Now, by this, I'm referring to the Communist Manifesto, not this podcast, right? So the, uh, the, 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 the Communist Manifesto is small. So it's a pamphlet. So it's referred to as a pamphlet. So it is a pamphlet that is a call to murder and oppression. It's a call for the evil of globalization. The Communist Manifesto was a small booklet written by a couple of weirdo assholes in the UK in 1848, 1850, I'm not sure, sometime around. So these fringe weirdos were Karl and Fred, Karl Marx and Fred Engels. So Karl Marx was a low-paid foreign correspondent for an American paper. When he, uh, he asked for a raise, they said no, he wasn't worth it. So he lost it and wrote this pamphlet in a tirade. So not he or anyone around him at the time took this pamphlet seriously, and it was literally forgotten for decades. Today, the book can be bought, literally, I think I paid $2, maybe a little less than $2, delivered to your door. So somebody somewhere is subsidizing the spread of this evil because that book, I'm sure, you know, to print a book like that, can you print it? You know, maybe if you pump out, you know, mass volumes, you can get it, the, the price per copy down pretty cheap, but delivered to your door for like $2 Canadian. <laughs> so that's like 50 cents American. So I, I had an old copy decades ago when I was a kid and since lost the book. So I ordered another copy and reread it recently. And to my surprise, the, the, some of the content was missing. So I'm guessing someone edited out, you know, some of the more egregious, 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 <laughs> I can't say that word, egregious ideas. The, uh, the point that I'm, the specific point that I'm remembering is uh, him claiming that the state should take children from their families and the state should raise the children. Uh, you know, in order to brainwash them and, or to condition them deeper, you know, semantics. So I did, a, I, when I read the manifesto a long time ago, I did read a bunch of other communist uh, books at the time. So it could have been in one of those. Uh, anyway, this new copy has a hysterical introduction that is, it's meant to be serious, 
written by some idiot named Andrew. He used the, uh, the unethical and deceptive techniques of propaganda, which we can look into and, and, and explore here a little bit. We can analyze. Um, this leads me to believe the publisher is ideologically bent. Uh, you know, to include such a propagandist, propagandistic uh, introduction uh, to Marx's manifesto. So these people uh, apparently, literally, can't distinguish between right and wrong. Like <laughs> that's pretty obvious. So, as a side note, I also have uh, Hitler's book Mein Kampf, and the intro to that book calls out Hitler as a crazed nutjob. But Marx's book pamphlet whose ideology caused the death of tens of millions more than Hitler did. I'm not saying Hitler's a good guy here. <laughs> right? I'm saying there's scales of, you know, bad. And Marx created more death than, than Hitler. So, so Marx's book has an intro that blows smoke up the evil scumbag's ass, as if Karl was some omniscient, benevolent force for good, you know, instead of what he really was, which was a grumpy, malevolent piece of shit. Did I say malevolent or benevolent earlier? Yeah, yeah, not sure what I said, but you know what I mean. As if he was benevolent, but he is malevolent. I think that's what I said. I'm not sure though. Okay, so if Carl were alive today, he'd be a trench coat wearing school shooter, right? I'm going to start uh, with an analysis of the intro or parts of it, and then go into the the manifesto itself, probably in another podcast keep it uh, try to keep it shorter <laughs> so and we're going to expose the evil there that is in plain sight for the world to see that is subsidized by some evil i don't know who they are who's, who's subsidizing it right so depending on time i guess we could find out i could contact the publisher and ask them who's subsidizing it chances are they probably you know not admit it all right so sentence number one for the introduction to the communist manifesto written by some dude named Andrew. More recent times, obviously. The Communist Manifesto is arguably the most consequential political pamphlet ever written. Okay, so this is a baseless assertion with a weasel word or modal term, arguably. As you'll see, Andrew clearly doesn't care about being biased. So why he's bothering with the weasel word, arguably, at this point... I don't know, a pretense of trying to be, you know, um, I don't know. But I mean, if he's, if he's, I mean, if Andrew is giving Marx fellatio in public, why the pretense of truth, right? It's clearly not going to be, uh, it's not going to fool the critical thinkers. But that's not Andrew's target audience, obviously. He's clearly targeting those uncritical thinkers. So the propaganda begins. Arguably the most consequential political pamphlet ever written. He calls it a pamphlet. So he's dropping a little truth bombs here into his propaganda to get the percentage of truth versus lies correct, you know, to make it more believable. Now, I don't know what the exact percentage is, or if there is an exact percentage, but it's well known that a sprinkle of truth makes the biggest lies more believable. So perhaps that's why he's doing so sentence two, its words have inspired millions of men and women to rail and rise against the capitalist mode of production and build a different world. Woo. What an appeal to emotion. You know, it inspired rise and rail, rail and rise. You know, it, it's the use of a hypnotic alliteration. The appeal to emotion of defiance and, and courage, which most losers do not have, but desperately want. And why so many losers read comic books. Now, I'm not saying that all, everybody that reads a comic book is a loser. I'm just saying there's a good percentage of them that are. So, the, And the reasoning, I think, is because they don't face their fears. So they live vicariously through fictional characters who do, who are strong, who are smart, who who get the attractive women and, you know, all this bullshit. So don't get me wrong. It's enjoyable for all of us, you know, to hear stories of characters being defiant and facing their fears, you know, or their nemesis, right? This is, this is a, a human natural thing, right? 
for, for a lot of people, maybe not for everybody. Everybody's different, right? So, so can you have a plural of nemesis? The nemesis? I thought nemesis was your arch enemy. Can you have multiple arch enemies? What is the word arch? Does that not work with multiple? Anyways, back to Andrew's intro. Rail and rise against the capitalist mode. Against them. Against the them, right? So we're creating an us and them. And we're being against them, right? The implied evil. The evil antagonists. Who are the unnamed capitalists. They're, they're, it's not even the, cap the unnamed capitalist mode of production. So it's the system. He doesn't want to name them. So it's just a bigoted stereotype against anyone who uses a capitalist mode of production. So the hidden suppressed claim is, is there's something wrong with the capitalist mode of production. What exactly is not said or, or any evidence of that claim? So he just makes the assertion in, in a suppressed claim. So this, this, the suppressed claim here by Andrew is a large one. And manipulators suppress controversial or weak claims instead of exposing them, instead of saying them explicitly out in the open. Why? Because they want them hidden. 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 They want them hidden. So there's another reason to uh, suppress claims. And uh, the targets at this point uh, want things to make sense in their minds. And so we will try to connect the dots to make everything line up. So we mentally trigger uh, all the assertions that they're implying, right, ourselves. So we, we take those talking points and we affirm them in, in, in this hidden suppressed claim to try to make their story make sense, right, to try to make sense of it. So we're like, hmm, that must mean this, that must mean that. So I will come up with those connections, which they're leading me to, and I will think, right, so the, 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 this manipulates the targets to reinforce the talking points and to fool themselves, to fool us into thinking that we came up with the, uh, and reasoned out those talking points on our own. The talking points that were created by someone else and pumped into our naive, trusting, useful idiot minds. <laughs> right? So the, the defense to this is to realize that this technique exists, to, to recognize it when we see it, and to laugh at it when we see it, right? This, this diffuses the, uh, the, the, the power over us, right? So these techniques can happen both organically by misinformed people who are trying to say things who honestly believe it and to sort of, you know, they have implied assumptions. Everybody does it, right? So, and, and it can be done intentionally by propagandists. Now, do propagandists do it organically? Probably not. I mean, they might be if they're so used to spewing out the propaganda and framing things in their mind a certain way. But generally, if they are organized propagandists, they are intentionally doing these kind of things. They want things to be suppressed, suppress claim to make you connect the dots, right? And also to not say it out in the open because now it's something that you can debate and they don't want you debating their suppressed claims. They want you believing those, right? So our, our human minds, minds want consistency. You might call it a suppressed intermediate conclusion, but this is not an argument. It's propaganda. It's manipulation that is not using the principle of charity or fair, honest. It's, it's not a fair and honest attempt to find or express the truth. What's worse about this technique is that it's used to program or reinforce our background knowledge, which we use for the basis of our future reasoning, our future inductive reasoning, where we're thinking what's plausible based on, you know, what I think, right? So... And what you think now, apparently, from this introduction is that, you know, what did he say? I'm forgetting already. That, uh, yeah, there's something wrong with the capitalist mode of production. So, if, if you know, so we're, we're our background information being wired to think automatically without any reasonings, none given, that there is something wrong with the capitalist mode of production, right? Whatever that is. <laughs> so, uh, it's not, it's not, that it's it's very sinister. It's not just to make you agree with the point or not. It's to change you, to change us, to change me, to change our way of thinking, to change our reasoning without our consent. First, without warning us of the techniques being used, uh, you know, which is pretty nefarious, right? It's a blood sport 
of the mind. And most of us don't even know that we're playing. It's like we're dropped into a a tank of sharks and given rubber duckies to distract us. (laughs) That's pretty uh, close analogy, I think. So, well, that's their target anyway. So if you're listening to this, you're clearly aware that manipulation exists. And that on its own is a powerful tool of defense, just knowing that it exists. Right. So then you think, hmm, hey, I wonder if they're using that against me now at this point, right? That is, wow, right? Because now you can deflate the, instead of being a sheep, right? It's, I hate using that term, but that's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good analogy, right? Um, so we're being programmed to feel without giving reasons that the capitalist mode of production is uh, something to rail and rise against. It's not just, you know, something that's wrong or something that's bad. It's something we need to rail and rise against, right? And Andrew finishes the sentence with, and to build a different world, not a better world. So here's another suppressed claim. The one uh, claims that the, 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 the suppressed claim that means that different means better. When we pull back from the, the propaganda and think just for a second, you know, we all know that different does not in any way mean better or worse. The word different just means different, right? So it doesn't have baggage that means better or baggage that means worse. Different just means different, right? Is it, is it green or is it orange, right? They're different colors. One's not better than the other. They're just different colors, right? But the, uh, the, the programming here is uh, that different is implied to be better. That's his suppressed claim, right? That, that's what Andrew's trying to program into our background knowledge that different by itself is better so that in the future if someone asks us, you know, how different means better, we won't know. Because we never knew, because no one ever gave us an argument or a reason to think that. It was just our background <laughs> knowledge was sort of manipulated to think that different means better, which it doesn't. Different just means different. Worse means worse. Better means better. Different means different. Like these are different. That's why we have different words for that, right? We don't have better words or worse words for it. We have different words for it. So this, this is a loaded suppress claim. Of course, people are sometimes reluctant to change. We all are. And sometimes we're in a shit situation and we do want to change. Sometimes we're in a great situation and we don't want to change, right? So that's, that's life. We all know inherently that change is a gamble. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it is not. And that decision to change is based on our experience and our background knowledge, our background judgment. Oh, somebody tweaks that, what's going to go wrong, right? So the reality today is that constant change is here to stay for many things, but not for everything. The seas of change are roiling, and we have to learn how to surf, right? We're going to surf on the waves of change, right? But the board's not going to change. Maybe the board will change slower, and but the board's going to be a board, right? So long as you learn how to surf, right? Not saying everything's changing. There's a lot of things that do change, right? So, um... We're slow to change our political ideologies and values, if some, if ever. Some people never do, right? So a manipulator that wants us to change our values and political ide- ideology demands that their targets, us, be more accepting to the idea of change for the sake of change and to uh, allow that new ideology in. Doesn't We don't see now if you're examining it, whether it's a good change or a bad change, now you're going to start being critical. They don't, manipulators don't want you to be critical. They want you to be not critical, right? If you start analyzing, is this a better change or is this a worse change? That's, that's the, totally not what they want. They want you to accept that change is better. Change is good, right? So you don't even think it. It automatically goes right to change is good. Here's something that's different. Let's go there. That's change. Change means good, right? It's literally brainwashing. So the promoters of that ideology must first try to make us, the targets, more malleable and accepting of change for the sake of change and not because it is better. They don't want to go down that, that path, that 
a concept of change. Is it better? Is it worse? Is it a better change? Is it a worse change? No, 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 no. That's exactly what they don't want you to think, right? So, because now you start questioning and they don't want you to question. They just want you to do what you're told, right? Think what you're told to think, right? So if the change was better, they, would, they wouldn't need to do this, right? They could use, this is why the change is better, right? And if they're not, they're going through this, all these loops to try to manipulate you. Obviously, the change is not better, right? They would simply only, they, they need only show you the benefits and the overwhelming evidence and let you decide for yourself without the need to change your background knowledge to get you to accept change without thinking about it, right? This is pretty kind of like pretty clear, right? So, again, we don't want, we don't want, I'm not saying I'm manipulating, maybe I, sh I should be trying to manipulate people, get more people to watch this video instead of just the Google spiders or listen to this podcast. Anyway, so, so they don't want the concept of better or worse change, you know, out of the suppressed claim. That is not good for the manipulator because now the target is cognizant of the idea of there being changes for the worse. And now critical thinking is critically, right? Examine it, analyze it. Is this better? Is it not? What criteria do we need to start? And you go down that whole path, you know, risk reward, risk benefit. Holy shit. They don't want you thinking that way. And the whole debate is on shaky ground and not where the manipulator wants your mind to be. So Andrew wants to build a different world, right? Doesn't want to build a better world. He didn't say it's a, we want to build a better world because this is what will happen. No, 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 no. He doesn't, none of that shit, right? It's all just a different world. Sentence three. At the zenith of world socialism in the 1980s, governments inspired by the pamphlet's ideas reached across Eurasia and Asia with satellites in Africa and the America, zzz, Americas, organizing more than a billion people under some form of Marxist-inspired government. Hallelujah. Yay. So now Andrew is lamenting, and he, he hearkens back to a time of the 80s of hidden brutality and oppression the suppression of the soviets were brutal holy cow and he's hearkening back to it like oh what a beautiful moment in history when oh we had those mass graves and mass murders and oh in the soviet union we had you know children ratting on their parents and their parents were being exterminated oh the glory oh i i miss those days <laughs> what an idiot so so what else is he doing here? He's appealing to uh, emotion with the word inspired, right? He tells the target what they should feel. He's telling us what we should feel when we read this, right? When we read this garbage, we should be inspired. Oh, yes, to put our foot on somebody's neck and shoot them in the fucking face, right? And go after their family, right? Like this is the, the, the communists of the Soviet Union. Like, I mean, this is not hidden information, man. Like, or what's going on in Venezuela, like good grief. Or in China, oh, the Uyghurs. And people are delusional if they, and I'm getting sidetracked here. So he uses another word, organizing. Organizing implying the act of organizing by itself is somehow evidence of correctness. This is an appeal to the mob appeal ad populum an appeal to the masses right it's a fallacy just because something is organized doesn't mean it's the correct thing to do right a lot of bad people organized to burn those innocent girls who they called witches right just because they were organized doesn't mean it was right <laughs> so zenith so he uses zenith and world socialism it's a manipulative implied claim that globalism is the zenith the most true path zenith means from astronomy it's like straight up right over the uh, the nadir and the zenith i can't remember so it's the most straight up right it's the most it's the true path where uh well you know he's giving zero evidence for that so it's just the zenith 
of world socialism. That, if, if that is true, if that's the best that world socialism had in the 1980s with all those murders and oppression and, and, and the disgusting things that were going on, that's as good as it gets. And he's saying, wow, that's, that's the zenith, right? So anyways, he gives zero evidence for, being, for it being so good. So he's forcing us, the target, to try to connect the dots in our mind, wiring our background, right, our schemata, to think, to, to come up with the idea that globalism is the true path when all evidence in the real world points to the contrary. But he's not giving any evidence, especially nothing from the real world, right? So this works by not giving the target a chance to digest information, right? So he's, he's throwing this at you, and then before you have a chance to analyze it, if you're being critical, he throws more information at you, right? So in, in future arguments, uh, we, the target, may now claim that world socialism as the zenith, right? With no evidence. Somebody says, well, how? Why is it? And he's, well, it just is. And then we're going to have cognitive dissonance and we're going to get emotional because we don't really know why. So we'll get angry and we're going to get angry at the person pointing out, why is it the zenith? Somebody asks you a question and you start getting emotionally and, right, that's, that's cognitive dissonance because... Right? We've been brainwashed, and we don't know why it is. We just believe it because we bypassed our, our rationing skills, our critical skills, to think, why is it? So our decision of, of why we think that is based on our assumptions and falsities, we jump to in a fraction of a second while reading with no time for critical reflection. So the government's inspired by the pamphlet's ideas. He says the government's were inspired by the pamphlet's ideas. What does that even mean? The governments were inspired, right? Like the pamphlet is, is consciousness and have has ideas of its own, right? There's so many layers of what, the, right? So this is an attempt to make the pamphlet more Bible-like, where it is written gospel and not just some author's opinion, not just, you know, Fred and, and Carl's opinions, right, when they were rage writing, right? It's entering the realm of written law, right? So would it be written, right? Instead of a couple losers in some apartment, you know, rage writing over the, uh, whatever the 19th century equivalent of pizza is, right? So, so it inspired more than a billion people. Here, Andrew is using the ad populum fallacy, appeal to the mob, which is a fallacious support for a position claiming that many people believe it and uh, that it's widely accepted none of which is, you know, evidence. Even if that was true, that's not evidence of it being true or valid, right? Just because a lot of people are deluded doesn't make it true. You know, as we know, uh, the uh, many otherwise rational people all believed it was the right thing to do to burn innocent girls and claim they were witches on many occasions. Sentence four, many countries outside the socialist sphere have also found the argument persuasive as the success of the social democratic movements throughout the capitalist world attests to. Andrew continues to use the ad populum fallacy because if you bought it earlier, you're going to keep buying it now. So why stop? He's referring to Carl and Fred's rage propaganda as an argument. So he's using the word argument. So this indicates that he may be versed in the critical thinking techniques of syllogisms, right? The form of arguments and is therefore intentionally and unethically using these tools of rhetoric for depression, depression, for deception and manipulation. This Andrew character appears to not just be a hate fanboy writing an intro for his beloved Bible pamphlet of hate and evil. Evidence indicates that he is a propagandist using the techniques of the cultural Marxist, which are deception, manipulation, and social programming, indicating that he knows full well what he is doing. There is nothing, how do they say it? There is not but power. I can't remember how they, they phrase it, but it's just pure about power. There's no morals. The only moral is to acquire more power. That is the only good, right, according to these crazies. So he makes an assertion about the supposed success of 
social democratic movements throughout the capitalist world with zero evidence. So is it the capitalist world? Are they social democrats? You know, how are they, who's succeeding here? Is it, are they riding the, the coattails of the capitalist? More than likely, right? So, but we don't know because he's not even saying who or what or when or where. He's just random assertions. You fill in the gaps, right? It's just an assertion. Then he makes a self-reference that his assertion is evidence that the country has found the argument persuasive. <laughs> so this, this you know, uh, what do you call it? Circular reasoning. The, the self-reference is a fallacy of circular reasoning. But it's based on an assertion with no evidence. So it's a fallacy within another fallacy, which is you know, not surprising. So if you believe his lies, you might cite his fallacious circular reasoning as proof of your stupidity. So what's interesting about Andrew's opinion here is that he's claiming the target being persuaded is success. The persuasion is success. Not any values or betterment of society, but persuasion as the marker of success. Andrew is revealing a bit too much about his thought process via his propaganda. His focus on persuasion as success leads us to infer that is where his mind is, is focused on. Persuasion. Not reasoning, but persuasion. Not truth-seeking, but persuading the thoughts, beliefs, and reasoning of large targets. Next sentence. Sentence number five. However, the pamphlet is more than a call for social justice at, and a different politics. Let me read that again. I kind of pooched that. However, the pamphlet is more than a call for social justice and a different politics. Now Andrew claims Carl and Fred's pamphlet is a call for social justice, implying not only that the current system is not just, but that communism is just. And he is saying again that the nonsense that simply being different implies better when he mentions a different politics. So he's not saying it's a better politics. He's just saying it's a different politics. And he's not saying what's wrong with anything in the current system, right? Again, when we pull our head out of the box of lies and think for a moment, we all know that different politics does not in any way mean better or more just politics. It just means different politics. We don't know if they're better. What are the chances of it being better? If you just change something randomly, what are the chances of it being a beneficial change? If you look at nature and natural selection, most of the changes are negative. Right? There is a slight chance that it might be a, a beneficial uh, mutation or whatever Right? when you change something, right? but the odds are against it. So statistically, change by itself does not mean a benefit. It can, over a long run, but the percentage is low. So the change by itself more than likely will be a negative change, statistically. If you look at natural selection, if you believe in that, right? <laughs> Andrew gives no reasons, no premises. It just the fact that it's different suffices for Andrew. So, well, it's that, it probably doesn't suffice for Andrew, but it suffices, he's making it suffice for the target. Right. He probably, I'm sure he might be a critical thinker. He knows the techniques and he knows what he's doing. Right. So he knows that different doesn't necessarily mean better, but he's trying to make you believe that because he's trying to soften you and me as the targets to accept the difference, the change. So where are the claims of intrinsic efficiencies, you know, which require the least possible amount of resources to get the maximum return? You know, where is the, the source of pressure to evolve better ideas. You know, Andrew wrote this, this introduction in, in modern times, in our contemporary day, probably, you know, five, ten years ago, I don't know. Maybe even sooner, who knows? So he knows the improvements to the world that the capitalist modes of production brought. But he's pretending he doesn't see these advances, advancements or the stagnation 
and inefficiencies and an un- unnecessarily unnecessary waste of resources brought about by the communist societies by centralized planning where they don't know all the facets that's the major flaws of centralized planning it's horrible right decentralization is clearly the way to go you're not omniscient right you can't know all the little subtle details we are living in very complex systems anyways andrew has hindsight yet he does not demonstrate how marxism is supposedly proven to be the better system because there is no proof of it the only thing centralized control has proven is that society is a very complex system and those too stupid to realize that or think that they are smart enough to control it will always bring unnecessary pain suffering and death the hubris of these morons to think that they know more than anyone else clearly non-thinkers are the more the most susceptible to fall for this sentence number six its arguments assume a scientific account of the history of capitalism and the forecast of globalization notice the history of capitalism and forecast of globalization these propaganda techniques get us to think that capitalism you know associating it with history a thing of the past and globalization forecast as a thing of the future I, I almost read that or read that I almost missed that when I when I read it the first time and then I'm like oh wow yeah look at that <laughs> so here Andrew brings the modern propagandist propaganda the modern propagandistic trope I don't even know if that's a word but you know what I mean the propagandistic trope of appealing to some generic science right the uh, the if the arguments its arguments assume a scientific account right so he's bringing this modern trope of using the word science the word alone uh, as evidence and not specified peer-reviewed studies that can be cited just the word science like that this this is a an, an, uh, a fallacy of appealing to or or from authority there's a difference between appeal to and appeal from in one case the authority is out of their depth it's not on their subject matter or they're not their 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 expertise and on the other case the the manipulator is appealing to an authority of a subject who's not giving valid reasoning or evidence it's just purely based on their their authority so the appeal being you know um only their yeah, only their authority which is not proof of anything right the, being an authority is not proving anything your evidence is proof of something right you, your reasoning your evidence why you're thinking that thing the fact that you are you know an authority is not sufficient uh, an example would be a computer tech who guesses at the problem they're an expert of computers but they're guessing at what's wrong with your computer just because because it's a complex system just because they're a computer tech doesn't doesn't mean that their guess is true right uh, another example would be a doctor humans are complex systems we do not understand the human mind the brain like it is a very very complex systems right and and just because they're a doctor doesn't mean that their guess is true this could be any expert Right? So the fact that they are an expert and they're guessing at their own field, right? They're saying something about their own field does not prove that they are right. They need to demonstrate their critical thing. They need to demonstrate the reasoning and their evidence of why they think that. And just because they think that, even if there is evidence pointing towards something, we all know about phantom conclusions, right? Phantom connections. You, any person can, who, who's rational and reasonable can say, look, look, all these factors point to something. That alone, that still doesn't mean that it's true, Right? we can always be wrong right but in this example andrew is implying that if you do not agree with his bullshit, you are against science which is clearly not true this perversion and raping of the word science by propagandists has exploded in recent years and has set the credibility of actual science back by association Fauci, the piece of shit of a man, has literally said, if you are against me, 
then you are against science. He is not science. His words are not science. As Carl Sagan once said, science is more than a body of knowledge. It's a way of thinking, a way of skeptically interrogating the universe with a fine understanding of human fallibility. If we are not allowed to ask skeptical questions, to interrogate those who tell us that something is true, to be skeptical of those in authority, then we're up for grabs for the next charlatan, political or religious, who comes ambling along. The whole scientific community should have shouted Fauci down, but today they are all inept cowards who keep their mouths shut and their heads down. If one is using science, they will happily cite their sources and not induce emotion or use the concept of science as a tool of manipulation. If you are a manipulator, what is your nemesis? The truth. What's the best mechanism we currently have for finding the truth today? Science. So a manipulator, if a manipulator could capitalize on the reputation of science while at the same time destroying its credibility, would they? Absolutely. Now, I'm not saying this is exactly what these propagandist assholes are doing, but they are. Now, whether intentionally they're trying to discredit science, maybe some are, maybe some aren't, right? Depends on what level of the ladder you're looking at. So religious people even use the word science to deceive themselves and others. I had a Jewish friend once tried to explain to me the science of her religion. It was awkward. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah, no. <laughs> so this disgusting tactic is used by the political establishment daily. The political establishment being the news media and their politicians. If the science does say something, they can show us the studies and show us who paid for those studies. And if those the, the people who perform those studies are politically biased in any way, we cannot ignore the fallibility of the human mind when it comes to science. Now, I've gotten to arguments about people saying, well, then it's not science. Well, that's exactly right. So you're saying it's not science anymore, but then it doesn't matter. People are claiming that it's science. Does it matter if, if it's no longer following the exact specs, right? We are being lied to, and they're using science as, as a propaganda tool to lie to us. So... Andrew is bullshitting us about scientific forecasts of globalization, which is obviously complete bullshit. Carl and Fred were bitching about the globalization that was happening back in the day, and they didn't use any science to guess, you know, that it wasn't going to go away anytime soon. If they did use science, which is a method, Andrew could spell out those repeatable techniques used by Carl and Fred so that we may use those techniques today to supposedly accurately forecast the future of politics in our future. If it's science, we can repeat it and we could do it again. If it's a successful method, right, it should work again. If it doesn't work again, then it's not science, right? This is, uh, which Andrew cannot do because he is full of shit. So it's interesting how the the 1% and Fred and Carl all want globalization. The 1% want it for cheap labor, more cheap labor, right? The more people you throw in supply and demand, the cheaper the labor market gets, right? Then the people start competing for jobs and the standard of living, you know, all this crap, right? Lower environmental regulations, right? So you can go to these countries where you don't want to go to the, you know, the first world countries where they actually have regulations where you can't dump stuff into the water. But hey, you go to these third world countries, you get cheap labor, no, no environmental cons uh, constraints, uh, weaker human rights, right? So this is what the 1% want. Fred and uh, Fred and Carl want it for control. They want globalism for control. They want to control the planet. So the 1% come off actually as less evil in this <laughs> equation. So communism is clearly not beneficial for the people. It is a tool of deception and oppression by the 1% today, then and today. Well, they weren't using communism then, but today they're using communism as a tool of oppression on some. 
useful idiots, right? And they're useful idiots on the street. And I don't know if Andrew was paid. Uh, was he a paid solace propagandist, uh, a member of the 1% or just a brainwashed useful idiot who was schooled in the dark arts of manipulation? But there it is. You know, if you think about it, there would be nothing worse than a one-world government. Diverse values, diverse thought, and the truth would vanish. I'm planning on doing a podcast on globalism in the future. If they don't kill me first, right? So what? Hold on, we had some kind of a sabotage there. Technical difficulties for a second. So sentence number seven. Its predictive power testifies to its conceptual adequacy and theoretical cogency. What predictive power, right? Conceptual adequacy. Andrew is claiming that Fred and Carl's ideas are adequate to predict, right? Things that Andrew doesn't feel the need to explicitly say what they're predicting, right? Leaving the target to try to connect the dots. If Carl and Fred's pamphlet predicted anything, Andrew would be swimming in the details, but he is not. With supremacy, uh, suppressed premises or suppressed claims, he's trying to get us, the targets, to fill the gap. If Andrew is going on about globalism, the pamphlet did not predict that because it was going on at the time of the writing of the book, the pamphlet, the rage pamphlet. <laughs> I could write a pamphlet today talking about globalism and Andrew, if he's alive in the future, would consider that to be a predictive power because there will be still forces of globalism in the future. There will be forces of nationalism in the future, right? Unless some major catastrophic, catastrophic event or some new world order takes over, right? And going back to his ambiguous term, um, Andrew pulled out of his ass, the theoretical cogency. Does Andrew mean that the cogency of the pamphlet is theoretical? <laughs> all right, so we all remember what cogent means, right? It means convincing. So theoretical cogency, the theoretical, not theoretically convincing. It's theoretical cogency. So it's okay. Let's use the let's use the uh, the principle of charity and assume that Andrew meant that the theory of the pamphlet is convincing, right? That's most likely what he probably meant. Although he could just be throwing these words out there. We don't know. Uh, in this case, Andrew would have us believe that simply expressing a theory convincingly, because it's cogent, so simply expressing a theory convincingly is sufficient to give it predictive powers. More suppressed claims where we are to connect the dots that he does not explicitly say to try to make sense out of his gibberish, uh, we would further need to infer that the predictive power of the pamphlet, from what he's trying to say, is the result of how convincing the theory was. Again, Andrew strikes convincing someone as a win. So the theoretical cogency, how convincing it was. The theory convinced people, right? So it keeps sliding back to that whole convincing thing. So the ugly, awkward clause in this sentence here, the conceptual adequacy and theoretical cogency must be awkward for a reason, right? Who would write that, right? The, the concepts are adequate, right? So is, is, is he trying to uh, drag Carl and Fred's, uh, Fred's ideas up from the, the crap to the adequate? So the concepts are adequate. <laughs> They're adequate. And then claim that the, 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 they as a theory are convincing. I think Andrew pulled a thesaurus out and misinterpreted what adequate means, right? It's awkward. It's like he's trying to sound smarter than he is. I don't know. And uh, convincing doesn't mean true. Only It's only sufficient to dupe someone. And this pamphlet is clearly not convincing. If it were cogent, if it were convincing, I would not be making this episode after reading it twice, would I? <laughs> right? Okay, let's do one more sentence and then uh, we'll call it a day. Um, sentence number eight. Indeed, the manifesto lays bare the engine of social development. 
in such a compelling way that academic disciplines, anthropology, geography, history, political science, sociology, and even psychology, have incorporated elements of its approach into their work. Good God, what a load of shit. I almost puked in my mouth while reading this. He starts off with, indeed. Trust me, believe me, I'm telling the truth. And it lays bare. What, is, what does that even mean? It lays bare. It exposes the naked body of social development. It lays bare. Right? It exposes, I suppose. Right? This, so this implies there is an engine of social development. Well, what is that engine? Is there only one engine? Also, this implies development means only one thing, which we all know is bullshit. A seed develops into a plant that has evolved for that environment. There are many viable, diverse societies that have developed differently along different paths. There isn't one development. There are many different types of developments for society, viable ones. But to the Marxist globalist, there's apparently only one path. And that path is global Marxism and groupthink. Andrew continues with the exposition of this engine. He's trying to expose this engine, you know, <clears throat> saying that it's, what, compelling. So the exposition of this engine is so compelling. It's compelling. So it's compelled these academic disciplines, not specific programs, not specific schools, not specific people, not specific professors, but the entire disciplines to incorporate elements, what elements, of the approach of this exposing of the engine into their work. Like, what the, how vague is that? What elements? What work? Who did it? Right? The entire disciplines? I call bullshit. Right? So unspecified elements, unspecified work. So the engine of social development is an approach. This means he knows there are other approaches. So he, he's letting a little leak here in his in his in uh, his uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inference? No. Yeah, patterns. Of, yeah, inference. So he knows there are other approaches when he says the uh, so the engine of societal development is an approach. So, but he still refers to it as the engine in the same sentence. So the engine as an an approach. So the self-inconsistency in one sentence is sufficient to conclude that Andrew is an idiot. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. These first, uh, this first paragraph, these eight sentences of the introduction to the Communist Manifesto are enough to indicate that Andrew, whoever the hell he is, is a manipulator, and the remaining pages of the intro are not worth our time. Unless you want to see more examples of the in, in, and study the techniques of propaganda. But judging from Andrew's frequent reuse of technique, it most likely will just be a lot more of the same.